Hey, this is Mike Brake, the lead pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. Just want to say thank you so much for stopping by the podcast today. I hope you feel encouraged and I hope you feel inspired today to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Anybody competitive about something silly? Like it's just like you shouldn't be competitive about it, but you're just like, I'm, I want to win. Anything that you want to just shout out to me or you can put that, please put that in the comments. I want to see what you got. Toilet paper, oh, okay, so it's not necessarily a game, but you need to put the toilet paper, uh, it doesn't go under, it goes overneath, and, and for sure, I mean, we got to pray for the people who try to do that, who does that anyway, but um, for myself, for myself, okay, so Michelle, she put in the comments that she's driving, she's, she's competitive about everything but driving, um, I, I, me too, I'm competitive about everything, one of them, ping pong. When my wife and I, when we were uh, dating and, and first married, we had a, a, a carport, and then we had a ping pong table in our carport, and we would, we would play, and it, it w- we would say some nice, not nice things to one another as we would, we would play, um, and what was interesting was our driveway for the carport, it was, it was at an angle um, down the, uh, it was at an angle, it had a slope, down to the street, and then the street was even angled even more. And so we just kind of had it set up where my back was, was to the uh, street, and then my wife, I love her, but every now and then if we got in a fight, she would just take the initiative, she would lose the point, but just smash the ball. And a lot of times she would try to hit me with it, but other times she would purposely not hit me, so the ping pong ball would go out into the driveway, roll out into the street, and then take its course. And I would send me running um, to go and almost die getting ran over by a car. We get competitive just in, in ping pong. It doesn't matter. I, I, I'm just as uh, competitive. I may have broken the, the ping pong table. I think the wind smashed it. But I just know anything it is. We, we got to be careful. We've learned that in our marriage. Uh, anytime we do anything, um, we get pretty competitive. It's funny when it's a game. It's funny when it's a game or kind of silly or childish, but it's not as funny when it comes to real life, when it comes to, hey, we want to win at life. And a lot of us, sometimes we don't feel like we're winning or we don't even know what the goal is. And so in this series called Run to Win, I want to win. You want to win. And we kind of talked about this at the beginning of January, but we're really going to dive into it in this series and kind of help you out. The theme verse of this series comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and it says this, Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? And and here he says it. He says, so run to win. It's, not, it's okay to want to win at life. So he's like, if you're going to run this race called life, run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. So they knew in Corinth, they knew of the Olympic Games. Locally, it was called the Isthmian Games. And they knew that they had these athletes and they would run these races and they're going to win a prize. They're going to win a wreath that was made of celery leaves. It's going to fade away in just a week's time or less. That thing is going to fade away. He says, our race is eternal. This one will not fade away. It's an eternal prize. So run with purpose in every step. 
Run with purpose in every step. As your pastor, I want you taking your next steps with purpose. You're going to take next steps coming out of here. You're going to take a next step tomorrow. I want it to be with purpose, and I want it to be in the right direction. And so this series is going to set us up with some what I would call catalysts. Hey, this is, this is going to be a catalyst. If you put this into place, can help you along your journey in taking next steps. I had a, a cousin of mine, he graduated from the Marines, graduated boot camp from the Marines. When he got done, we hadn't seen him in months, and we went as a family to go watch this final graduation ceremony. Thousands of, of um, Marine cadets that are going to be graduating, they're paraded out. We can't tell, they all look the same, because they're all buzz cut and, you know, just totally different and they're far away. We can't tell who it is, but we're sitting there just as a family. We're laughing and joking and cutting it up and just having a good time. Well, then they, they get dismissed. They graduate. So now we get to meet them for the very first time. And the first event that we got to go to is a lunch. And it's at, you know, um, at, at a specific time, at a specific place or whatever. Again, our family, we just like to laugh and cut it up and we're just shooting the breeze or whatever. Well, as we're walking to this lunch, my cousin, Mike, he's like 15 paces ahead of us. And he stops at one point, he turns around, and he says, would you guys please hurry up? <laughs> and we're like, what? And we're just going to lunch, no big deal. He's like, no, you don't understand. For the past three months, I did not take a single step that did not have purpose. I mean, everything was that much order and that much structured. And it struck me because I've never been in that environment before, but he says, hey, take your next steps with purpose. A lot of us, we can go through a day, a week, a month, a year, a lifetime, and never really consider some of the steps that we're taking in our lives. And we can get to the end and have, have a lot of regrets. I want, a, I want a life with fewer regrets, and a life that's taking next steps in the right direction is going to, I believe, lead there, lead in, to fewer in those. I want to look tonight at a special passage of scripture uh, by Jesus, and I'm going to share a little bit of my story, some things that have been taking place in my life, and how that can uh, apply to you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn them open to Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is, is rounding out a sermon here. He's ending the sermon. He, he, uh, in Matthew, it's like well, the longest sermon of Jesus that you can read. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's beautiful. It's laid out, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. This is how he finishes the way he preaches. Jesus is talking, he says, anyone who listens to my teaching, or in other, other translations says, hey, if you listen to my words and follows it, is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rains came in, torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it, say this with me, it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on the sand and when the rains and the floods come and the, the winds beat down against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. If you're in the chat, if you're in the chat, say the word, the phrase, so dumb. If you're in, if you're in here, look at your neighbor or nudge your neighbor and just say, so dumb. So dumb. Jesus says, hey, however you build your foundation, it's wise or, or foolish. 
It's some pretty harsh terminology, but here's why this is important. Because a house that crashes doesn't just involve you. What, having the importance of this foundation, it will impact your kids. Talk to any realtor out there. And if there's a house that they sell and it has issues with the foundation and you can notice things are out of alignment, pretty much they can, you can bet that the person who is buying the house is not the one who poured the foundation. They're just the ones that are going to be receiving the consequences of it. we got to take this into consideration what he's saying because the foundation we build upon not only involves us, but the people around us who we love most, and it could be for generations to come. And he says, it's going to be so foolish, so dumb, if we don't think about what we're, ha- what, what we're taking on. The storm's going to come, but what foundation you build upon it impacts so many other people than just us. Have you ever... Uh, you don't, have, don't point, okay? Have you ever done anything just dumb? Have you ever... Like, I, I knew a first grader one time. He's just learning how to spell. Comes home from school. He's upset because there's this girl who is picking on him on the playground, and the first grader comes home to his mom. He was so mad. He's like, I hate her. I don't like her. She's dumb, mom. She is D-U-M dumb. <laughs> to which the mom said, you probably don't want to go back and spell that to her <laughs> and, and, and let, her, let her know that. I've done, so, I've, I, there's too many stories to count. One of them was in high school, snow day. And on a snow day in the middle of Missouri, there's not a lot of hills to go sledding on. But we had one friend, Luke, who, who, had, um, who had a field behind his house. And we knew Luke rented that house, so that wasn't his field. And we had another buddy who had a, a Bronco. Anyone ever, you know, those big Ford Broncos? Well, we had a Bronco. We had an open field with a ton of snow. And we also had the hood to a car and a giant rope. I don't know where, where the brainiac was that had this idea, but we tied that thing to the back. And we had the time of our lives just spinning through this field and, and, and uh, sledding and having a great day. Get to school a few days later, and I just started up a dating relationship. And my girlfriend, she's really upset. She, you can tell she's troubled. She's irritated or whatever. So being the nice boyfriend that I was, I asked her what was going on. And she said, well, um, someone over the snow day, uh, this group of teenagers might... might went through my dad's field and just shredded everything. And we lost hours and hours of time, thousands of dollars lost on this field. And, and like, it's just, it's really kind of devastated our family. To which I was like backing away. And to this day, unless she's watching, I don't think she is. I've never said a word about my role in that incident. Dumb, dumb, dumb. It's it's funny when we're talking about little kids. It's okay, maybe not funny, but somewhat funny when it's something back in high school or whatever. But when we're talking about things that are happening in real life that have effects and consequences, it can really just mess with us and mess with a lot of people. This last week, I went through some trauma. A lot of you know it. Some of you, you, you may not know exactly what, and I feel like God's been kind of pressing upon me to share. 
So a week and a half ago, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I had light chest pain. That was it. I had light chest pain, but it wasn't going away. After about 15, 20 minutes, I kind of I got up, had a drink of water, kind of walked around, but nothing, nothing was changing. And it was almost insignificant enough that I didn't go check it out, but it was just not going away. And you know how when you get on the, your phone and you kind of Google something, you know, you get a little tiny cut and you're like, crap, I'm going to die or whatever. This one was like, no, if you have chest pain that's not going away, even mild chest pain that's not going away, you, and after, you need to go get it checked out. Um, and it wasn't just a couple minutes. It was like, hey, you got to go. So I went. I, I woke Rita up and I went. I get to the hospital, to the ER here in Los Alamos. The lady's sitting right there, and, and she's like, yes, can I help you? I said, I kind of have some mild chest pain. I don't really know what's going on. To which she gets on the phone, and you can hear it very clearly on the intercom, like, we got a guy, chest pain, you know. And she's like, you can have a seat right here, sir, and then they'll call you back. And I'm like, all of a sudden, it's, things start to escalate a little bit, like, okay, maybe this is more or whatever. There's a, there's, I won't forget this too. I'm just kind of starting to panic a little bit, but not too much. And there's this guy who is in the waiting room of the ER and he's just, he is just like walking and pay, I'm, and uh, so much. So it's like giving me anxiety. I almost said to the, the poor young dude, I was like, dude, I'm about to have, I'm like having a heart attack right now. And you're giving me anxiety. Like, please, Please slow down. I don't know what that kid was, was dealing with or whatever, and I, I pray it wasn't anything too serious. It was kind of a laughing thing for me. They called me back to the back room, and they, they hooked me up, and they're like, hey, they're going to do an EKG. And that's when things just take off because they, they look, and whatever they see on an EKG in my numbers, it says something's happening with your heart. Everything points to the fact that you're having a heart attack. And when they read that EKG, I could hear the doctors out, outside in the ER, and they're like, fire, they're calling in the helicopter, they're calling down to Santa Fe to get a cardiologist to run in, and they're hooking me up with an IV, and they're getting just, it goes from zero to 150 like that. And I'm grateful for this. At the same time, I'm like, what is happening? I just had some mild chest pain, I'm in a bit of a denial. And so I'm starting to text Rita, and I said, hey, there might be a possibility. They fly me to Santa Fe. I don't know. And, like, it just escalates. Finally, at, at some point, the doctor um, comes to me, and they're kind of explaining different things that are going on. And I just looked at him. I said, what, what is happening? Because this is all happening so, so fast. Within 15 minutes, um, I'm being, you know, life-flighted away. And he said, Mr. Rigg, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just being clear. want to be clear. You're having a heart attack, and we're going to fly you to Santa Fe to get it fixed. And we got to go, we got to go now. <sighs> okay. And then I call Rita, and I have a conversation with Rita to let her know what's going on. But it clicks in my head. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to go on. So it's very raw in that moment to go and have a conversation and, and just tell Rita, if, if something happens, here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to tell the boys. And it's nothing poetic. It's not like it was something, anything out of, out of Nicholas Sparks, the notebook or anything. Just, when it came down to it, I, just, I want you to know I love you, like how much I really love you. You let those boys know how much I love them. You let them know that they are strong enough they're going to be okay. Nothing poetic, very quick. 
and then I'm on, a, I'm on a helicopter being carted out and I'm flying. I'm in the helicopter and for me, my MO, I'm like, I, if it's a workout or exercise or anything that's hard or challenging, I'm just like, let's just do it. Like, we got this. We can do it. Mindset, everything, right? So I'm like, all right, heart. All right, blood cells. Let's just, you know, we're going to heal ourselves. We can go. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't think that's how it works. You have zero control over any of this. To which then I start talking to God. I mean, I was talking to him, but it's just like, hey, this is, this is in your hands. Let me fast forward just real quick because I'm going to share more about that flight in a little bit. Fast forward, I didn't have a heart attack. They, they ran a lot of procedures. They scanned every inch and inside and outside of my heart, and I didn't. Thank goodness. Praise God. And then what it ended up being was something related to a virus. I kind of had, had a virus a few days before, and there's, it caused inflammation in my heart. Virus ran its course. You're good to go. Doctor's looking at me the next day saying, you're good to go. You, can, you don't have to change your health. You don't have to change your eating habits. You can exercise. You can just go and be you. Awesome news. Praise Jesus. But all week long, there's been two words that have just been haunting me. So dumb. Why, why'd you even go? You probably, you could have just waited an hour and been fine. So dumb. And I know for a lot of you, like, no, you, did, you made the right choice. You went in and you got it checked out. The doctors even said you made the right choice. You don't get to choose what's in my brain. So dumb. You're going to have some financial consequences that, that cost you. And you're so dumb. What? You, you, you're, you thought you were having this heart attack, but you're just fi you're fine. You're 100%. It was just so dumb. Like, like what, was it, what was even the purpose of that? Until about 24 hours after I got home, and I heard this little voice. I've heard this voice so many times in my life. And I know it, and I can trust it. And it says, you're not allowed to say so dumb anymore. Oh, okay, God, I, I hear you. Yeah, you're not allowed to say so dumb. So dumb puts a narrative on what took place in my life that puts it down a path that's, that is bound to be washed away by the storms of life. So dumb... So foolish puts a spin on this story that has no purpose, that has no meaning. These things actually took place. These conversations actually took place. And I had a chance to have some conversations with my wife, with other people in my church community and my family and with God. And I'm just going to take all of that and just say, so dumb. And then just walk away and leave it with nothing. And, and God says, no, you're not allowed to do that anymore. See, when you build your house on a solid foundation with what God says, hey, I'm going to build it on the rock, then you can build a house that has purpose and meaning that's a model for others. Otherwise, you're just building beautiful sandcastles that it will eventually wash away. So dumb puts a spin on it in my head that just leads me to worry and anxiety 
that I can tell you my family wants no part of so dumb and so foolish. What foundation are you building on? Because I have a direct choice with everything that comes my way. And, the, and it comes with the voices that are in my head. Am I going to put this on so dumb, so foolish to build it on sand? Or I'm going to hand it over to Jesus. Here's the situation. It's yours and you bring meaning and purpose to this. This is your story, Jesus. I wonder. The question I have for you tonight and online I want to know what, what is that thing in your life that is so dumb? Where you're putting a, a narrative on something that, that, that is not God's narrative. That you're building a narrative that is built on sand. And you're potentially missing out on the, on the blessing or the purpose that it could have, not only just for you, but through you for others. That marriage, that divorce that you went through, and I'm not going to diminish the pain and the storm that you went through. I was so dumb. I was such a fool to go into that relationship or to allow that to happen for so Long, But that's what you speak over that situation and you are building a narrative that excludes God from doing anything in it because you've labeled it already. Maybe it's, it's a reg, this regret or you're, you lashed out, that's just who I am. And you've just already predetermined what the purpose is of that situation and you just try to forget it or numb it or remove it however you can, and you do not allow to build it on the foundation of Jesus. Say, Jesus, this was a, something I regret, but it's yours now. 2020, so dumb. Wasted year. What have you labeled 2020 as? I'm not saying it was easy. Jesus never once promised easy. He said, You're gonna get these storms are coming. The waves are crashing, the lightning's coming down, the water's rising. What foundation are you gonna build it on? And so many of us, we have wiped away a year of growth because we've put it on a foundation of sand. When Jesus said, That whole time I was trying to get you to grow. I was trying to point some things out. You don't get to label 2020. Put it in Jesus' court and his, let him build him on his foundation. The storms of life, they're going to come. And we have a choice on which foundation we're going to build on. Satan, oh, he would love love for these storms to wipe you out. 2021, that's the year Dakota stops. That's the year Dakota, he stops trying to take a next step. 2021 is the year Matt gives up on himself. 2021 is the year Jan says, nope, it's not worth it anymore. 
2021 says, is the year that Michelle says, I can't, I just can't keep going. I tried, I've been burned, and I can't. He wants you to just give up. Jesus, he wants, you, he wants you to hand it over to him, whatever that is, so he can repurpose it. My wife, who I love, who I'm competitive with, she's just as competitive against our enemy. She preaches just as much to me as, as anybody else. And she's been speaking life into me. She's like, you're not dead. How does it feel to be that you're not dead? That must mean you're not done. How does it feel, Mike, that, hey, Satan, he can touch you, but he can't take you. How, how does it feel to know that you are in the hands of God who says, hey, you put it in his hands, and he obviously said, you're not done, you have more to go. How does that feel? You, when you have life and you put it on a foundation of the rock, and you say, this is the truth. This is the truth about how God views me. And my life, no matter what I think or feel or say, Satan wants you to crash and burn, and Jesus says, let's repurpose that, and let's go change the world together. Come on, somebody got to give me an amen or give me some fire emojis or something, because I'm preaching good. Thank you. It's a solid foundation. It's an anchor. It's a refuge. It's a shield. It's a shelter. And for many of us, we continue to build our sandcastles. We will try. We'll go to church. We'll try to pray more. We'll try to do more stuff. I'll be better. And we try to willpower it in, like I was trying to willpower my heart into existence, and we still don't let God fully in. For a lot of us, like, we will try and we'll try and we'll try and it won't change anything because we really haven't allowed, built it on the foundation and let God to do the work. And we'll notice the cycle where eventually our soul starts to just kind of weep. Our soul just every now and then will, 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 will make an appearance and we just weep and we're sad and we're depressed because we're not fulfilling our purpose. We're not really connected and anchored in with our Creator. Jesus says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it, some translations say, and puts it into practice. It's not enough just to hear it. You got to go live this thing out. You hear that little whisper? You, you, hear, you can't say so dumb anymore. Now I have a choice on what I'm going to do. Am I going to obey that? Am I going to follow that? Here's Here's what I want for you tonight. Here's, here's the bottom line. <laughs> I want for your catalyst, for you to run to win in 2021, okay, get ready to write this out. It's going to be really uh, complicated. Tonight, I just want you to read your Bible. Just read your Bible. Read God's love letter. Hear his words and put it into practice. It's the only thing we have. It's the only book that we have. It's like, this is God's word to you and I. It's a story from beginning to end that's telling this beautiful story of how much God loves us, how he's redeemed us, how we've fallen short, how we can't do anything. He's redeemed it, he's taken care of it, and how much he wants a relationship with you and I. I just want you to get in there and, and dig in for it for yourself. And not just read it. 
Because some of us, we can go through and, um, you know, we can, we can just read it, check it off a list. And we've gone into legalism. No, I want a relationship. Get in there and let him speak to you tonight. Oh, the joys, it says in, in Psalm 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord. They meditate on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. I love living in New Mexico, but this verse always springs up to me every time we drive past the Rio Grande. We come off the hill, you drive past the Rio Grande, and what? There is just trees galore. When you're flying into Albuquerque, you know where the river's at. Why? Because there's just this line of green going through the middle of a desert. They are like trees planted on a riverbank. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. Who wants to win in 2021? Run to win. Who wants prosper in all that you do? Get in the word. Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp to, my, to guide my feet, a light for my path. He's only going to give you a next step. He's not going to show you the whole thing. He's going to say, a lamp to guide my feet, one, maybe two steps at a time. So many of us, we get into the Bible. When we get into the Bible, okay, some of yours is you're on your, on your phone or you, you have it and you mark it up. A good sign of a good, that you're in your Bible is this thing is like pages are falling out and there's marks all over it. It's okay to mark in your Bible and all that sort of stuff. All right, but... So many of us, we get in this like, hey, what does God want me to do? Like, we want to know the purpose in our life. God, just tell me what you want me to do. This book isn't really good at that. Did you know that? If you're like wanting to know your will for your life, God, just what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to get married? Are we going to go buy this house? It, that sort of stuff is just not in here. There's a better question to ask that actually gets more to your heart. Not what do you want me to do, God? Who do you want me to be? Who do you want me to be? When you ask that question, this book comes alive. Open your Bible, read it, and ask God, who do you want me to be today? I am terrible. I am terrible when it comes to uh, construction. If you were to build a foundation, I'm the last person to do it. If you were to do almost anything in the house, I'm not, like the last person to do it, okay? I do know what this is. Robert, you would be a good one to do it, but not me. All right, I'm not Mr. Uh, construction. I do some projects, but YouTube helps me out a lot. This is a level. And when it, whenever you're doing a project, especially if you were doing a foundation or, or just different things, you need this. Because this is, a, it's not going to lie to you. You can set this thing up and we'll look and we're like, hey, this stool is actually pretty level. And when you, whether you're doing tile or you're, you're doing cabinets or whatever. You, want, you don't want crooked lines. You want straight lines. You want someone, you want a builder who can, who can actually give you the straight lines and line things up. Well, guess what? When it comes to life, you have some tools in your toolbox to give you a foundation. I want a church to be open-minded. Like, I want you to be open-minded. I want you to ask questions. I'm okay with having doubts. At the same time, I, I don't want you, when, when you open up your mind, I don't want your brain to fall out to either. Like have some common sense. And we have been given something where God says, 
How's that line up? You have, you have truth that you can access on how this life is supposed to live. How am, I, how am I supposed to treat my wife? Is it lining up? How am I going to raise my kids in this day and age? How's that line up? How am I going to handle my finances? God, what do you, what do you got to say about how do I handle my finances? God, what, what do you have to say about how I, I work on, I do social media and how I comment and, and participate in social media? Oh, and you'd be surprised. There's a whole book on here that teaches you how to do social media. It's called Proverbs. How, how do I handle politics, God? I'm going to trigger some of you guys. You, you're, putting your, you're putting your politics over here. Everybody's trying to get, I see it all over your post. Every single post, everything you share, every conversation. You're trying to get Jesus on your side. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I'm talking Republicans and Democrats. This is your foundation. Watch this, watch this. Colossians chapter 2, 6 through 10. And now, just as you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Get to know him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in truth you were taught and you will overflow. You want your life to overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers of the world rather than from Christ. It's like he's writing to us today. Right? I'm all for having an open mind. I love to ask questions. I love to, I mean, there's, I think we need to be a lot more open-minded than we actually are sometimes as, as Christians. I really do. But at the same time, you don't check your brain at the door. He says, for Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Somebody needs to hear this tonight. So you are complete. You are not so dumb. You are not so inadequate. That you want to you level something out? This is where a lot of you, you, you would need to build your foundation on. God, how do you see me? Do you really want to do anything through my life? Am I, am I too far gone from you, God? Am I too messed up? Build it on the foundation of a solid rock and what he says. Don't build it on, on sand that you think or that the world says. Go back to the word. Get in your Bible. That's all I want. That's going to be your catalyst. Number one, you want to run to win the race. Get in the word. This church, this is our foundation. We follow this thing no matter what, even when it, when it hurts, even when it's not popular. This is our foundation. So you are complete. You are complete through your union in Christ. Not anything that you do through your union in Christ. Who is head over every ruler and authority. See, there's my political verse right there. All right, you're so stressed about the politics. You're so stressed about what about this? What about that? And it's just oozing out. It's because Christ isn't your head. 
he, he's not, you're allowing politics to rule over. Because my Bible says Jesus is the ruler over all of that. And if he's the ruler and he's not freaking out, neither am I. Truth hurts sometimes. Here's where the rubber hits the board. I'm going to close this thing out because I'm probably going way, 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 way over. This foundation verse, build your house on the solid rock. Most of us, we know this. We knew, we knew it when we went to Sunday school. You, you could have quoted it for me. I know this, Mike. Yeah, big deal. We can give it lip service. But has it, has it made its way into our heart, into our soul, to where we live it out? It's funny, it's cute when we can quote it or we can put it out there as a, as a verse on social media. It's not so funny when, when it's crashing around us and it's, it's, it's a mighty crash, a great collapse. I want you building on a solid foundation. I want you taking next steps with purpose. Let me give you one more, one more illustration as we close this out. I know we didn't do a Super Bowl party this year. In, in previous years, would you go to a Super Bowl party or something like that? No? Some of you guys are like, I just watch, okay, but there's some of us, we go to a Super Bowl party, you get people together. I don't know, this year, maybe it's a, a Mars landing party or something like that. We get on, on Zoom. We're in Los Alamos, so we're weird. Maybe we don't do Super Bowl parties in Los Alamos. We just, like, Dungeons and Dragons or something. I, I just think of a party where people come. I just, whatever. Imagine you're there. I'll do sports and Super Bowl because I, I, like, I like that. So you're, you're talking like, oh, you're talking about Mahomes. You're talking about Tom Brady. He's the greatest ever. You're having a, a great time and you're just interacting with people. And all of a sudden, you notice God walks in the door. And all of a sudden, God, God's there at the party. You're like, hey, hey, God. How's it going, man? It's good to see you. And everyone just kind of gives them a little, you know, a little bit of an acknowledgement. Kind of just go on with the party, continue the conversation, and then every now and then, hey, there he is. And he's just kind of hanging out. I think a lot of Christians, a big problem in the church in America today, we just, we give God lip service. We can go through the whole day going through our business and the things that we're excited about, and then maybe at the end of the night, it's like, oh yeah, God. Can't snap. Hey, God. How you doing? Or maybe something happens. They're like, oh yeah, I need, I need to pray. Hey, God, yeah, can you help me out, man? Contrast that to you're at the same party. You're talking with your friends, getting together, and all of a sudden, God walks in the room. And you're like, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. There he is! There's God! Oh my, you! Like, it's you! You're here! Like, I'm so thankful. I'm like, I just, I just happen to be on my knees. I don't even know how. You're, just so, you're so beautiful. Hey, Jim, Jim, you remember I was telling you about him. You got to meet him. He's right here. He came in. Stephanie, I know you had, you had an, an issue and you wanted to come, like, come meet my, this is God right here. And I'm so thankful and I'm so glad that you're right here. My gosh, it's even better than I even imagined. I want a church. I want my life. I want your life 
To have Jesus where He's the center of attention. And Wes, we have things going on, but I want Jesus to be the focus of my life, to be the foundation of my life. And if you think I'm, I'm, I know this is weird and crazy or whatever, but when Matthew pinned this down, he didn't know he was writing the Bible. When, when they were writing down the words of Jesus, they were in the middle of giving their life for this thing. They all died for this thing. Many of those first century Christians, they wrote this down for you and I because they saw their life was coming to an end. They're like, this isn't just about us. We, got, we thought he was going to come back. He's not. And we got to pass this on to other people. And oh, by the way, when they wrote this as eyewitnesses, notice that they name drop people. Blind Bartimaeus. Why does blind Bartimaeus get his name dropped in there? Maybe because you could go to Jericho and talk to blind Bartimaeus himself and see, did that really happen? Why does Malchus get a mention about his ear getting chopped off? Malchus gets name dropped in the Bible. Why? Maybe you could go to Jerusalem and talk to Malchus about what happened that night. Eyewitnesses wrote about it in the other time when other eyewitnesses were around and you could go and verify for yourself. Just go talk to him. And God started changing lives. This, it's not a game. This is eternity. And God has something big and great for you. You don't get to label it so dumb. You don't get to say that anymore. And when you have a heart, when you, your heart says, I'm, I'm in, I'm going to build my next, the next brick that I have, my next step that I, I'm going to build it on this foundation, this solid foundation. How do you change the world? One story at a time. How do you build a house? One brick at a time. How do you live a life of purpose and meaning? One step at a time. When you put those bricks on that foundation, you join Matthew, you join Peter, you join Mary, you join Martha, you join Paul. We join one another on this journey that has continued generation after generation after generation, being a house of light for people, a model home that can bring shelter for other people and give them the hope that they need in the storms that are raging. And if it's crashing around them, you say, I know the way. Flying on the helicopter to Santa Fe. Heart, heart. Just fix yourself. We got this. We could do this. Come on, heart. Oh, wait, Mike. It doesn't work like that. Oh, crap. I don't know what's going to happen. All right, Jesus. I'm, I'm looking down. There's Smith's right there. I can see the top of Smith's, and it's all lit up. I can look forward. I can see the lights of Santa Fe. Jesus. I think I've lived my life all out for you, man. It's yours, whatever you want to do. If you want me to live, I'm going for it. I'll, I'm going to live this thing out. If it's done, I've given it my best.
I don't know how to explain it, just other than peace. Other than just peace. And I thank Jesus for that. Because it isn't anything I did. It's everything that he did. And I'm not dead. So I'm not done. You're not dead. God's not done. Let's stand, let's pray. Jesus, I don't, I don't know who you're speaking to right now, and I don't know exactly how you're speaking to them, but Father, I just pray right now, in this moment, speak. Whatever they need to hear, even if it's a hard truth, speak. Building a house on sand, it, it may feel good in the moment to build a sand castle and bring some relief, but it's, just, it's more work. There's more worry. There's more anxiety. It will never satisfy, and eventually it will crash. Some of us will go our whole lives building that sandcastle and rebuilding and rebuilding, never contemplating to put that brick on your foundation. Someone in here tonight, someone online, someone who's going to watch the replay of this, you're asking them to give their life to you for the very first time, like to just put that first brick down and saying, I'm done with this. I repent. I turn from my ways. Jesus, your Lord, your Savior, and I want to give my life to you. If that's you tonight, would you just raise your hand where I could see it right now with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed? If that's you tonight, would you just take the first step in the comments and say, I'm going to give my life to Jesus? If that's you tonight, just raise your hand and so I can see it. I just want to pray with you, pray for you. And if that's you online, you can go ahead and we'll follow up with you in the chat later. Jesus, I thank you that you love us enough. You paid the price. You did all the work. And now you're just asking us to go alongside with you. But you, you ended your sermon with your words. You were the word. John 1, 1. <laughs> you are the word. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. Big G, Dakota. And then it says, that word became flesh. You are, you are the word, the logos. And when we listen to your words and follow it, we're like a wise man. So whatever you're speaking to us now, Father, I pray that we would take that next step. I just want to take Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.